0: Welcome to TechTO Quick Takes. I'm your host, Alex Riley, and here are today's headlines. We unpack a PropTech acquisition that aims to change the residential investment market. BetaKit announces a new strategic partnership, and we go back through the TechTO archives to look at some pre-pandemic advice that is still more relevant now than ever. And as usual, Alex Norman joins me to break it down. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? I'm good. I can't believe it's December.
1: Yeah, well, I was thinking that too, but it's not there's no snow on the ground so i'll take that
0: i i can't believe it's already december the year has just flown by not uh, a ton of news to talk about today but obviously lots of relevant headlines so first one to get into is just this prop tech acquisition and how it's aiming to change the residential investment market so let's start with what is this um, acquisition and that news
1: well or- earlier this week montreal-based geiker announced that it acquired toronto-based willow.ca
0: to go into like a little bit more detail what do those companies do
1: so Willow is a fractional real estate ownership company that's improved by Ontario Securities Commission. So that, that basically means, hey, we're gonna acquire this property and you can and you can get 20, 30 investors to almost buy shares in that property. Very, you know, it's a concept that a lot of people were you know talking about the last five, six years. But once you start doing that, it's like you need regulatory approval because it's a security. And Willow did all the hard work to get Ontario Securities Commission to approve it think they had a few transactions Geiker is has traditionally been a rental platform that operates okay. in montreal toronto chicago and boston so it focuses on you know digitizing the rental experience so it optimizes and makes it more efficient uh helps landlords you know it basically hands off the operating of a rental, residential rental property from landlords to them helps them get higher yield helps them you know make the better experience for the tenants mm-hmm. so um you know, someone that really understands the rental market.
0: And I mean, one of the things that stands out to me about this is that the acquisition is being done by an early stage company, but I know there's a few other ones that make this really interesting. So what is standing out to you about this?
1: Well, so let's start with what you just pointed out. So Mm -hmm. Diker, if you look at, you know, look up on Betakit or the news or like do a Google search, I think they've announced one funding round and they're relatively... Early stage from a funding perspective. Yep, um, they don't. If you look online, it doesn't look like they have three, four hundred employees. So Geiker is a relatively small tech startup at this point. Um, what we've seen to date is I call the tier above the mega capsule, so not not mm-hmm. necessarily Shopify or Facebook, but like uh, you know, I'm just trying to think of a few. But like we've seen, um, what's it? Uh, uh, Certain do quite a few acquisitions this year. So yeah. we've seen in the, in the 23, we've seen a lot of m- medium to large tech companies buy smaller companies. What's here, interesting here is Geiker is a small company, appears to be, a, a re- at least right now, as being capital efficient, seems to be have a product that works and they're buying a complementary company to scale up their offering and business. So we haven't seen much of this this year, at least not announced. Yeah. The other couple of interesting points is this is clearly for the product, you know, we say you can buy something for the product for the distribution, yep. but the product here is quite unique. It's 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 not only the software, but they're getting a regulatory approval to offer fractional home ownership. That takes a lot of time and money. So it's you know, so you're getting some you're you're getting a, buying a shortcut. um And this also feels more like a transformative acquisition than just a product suite enhancement. What I mean by that is like going back to certain they're offering a, you know, hey, we have nine, you know. Schools we offer here's a tenth one by this acquisition.
0: Mm-hmm. Here,
1: Geiker is now saying one plus one equals three, because now you know not only we you know we can integrate this so we can manage a rental property, or and then we can say, Hey, maybe we'll buy it from the landlord, or vice versa. Yeah, there's something for sale. We're gonna now get you fractional ownership so you can have investment property and Geiker can manage it for you. So it it completely transforms. It's one thing to be a fractional owner, then you have all these questions about who runs this property and everything like that. It's one thing to be someone that runs a property, but now you can have offer, hey. You want, you want to be a small, uh, you know, put a bit of your, you want to invest in um, residential real estate. You can't afford to buy something yourself. Well, Geiger can now let you buy fractional thing and it can ma- take away the complexity of magic. it. So it actually seems like a very transformational purchase. And, you know, the other thing here is the property market is massive. So Proptech yeah. has been in a space of people invest in. Um, companies were well financed over the last, you know, five, six years. But it's proven incredibly difficult to change how the residential real estate market works. Um, yeah. So it, it, it just there's sort of the fact that both these companies are still small, even though they have yep. great ideas and seem to have traction, says that there, here's a proof. You know, sometimes everyone looks for these massive markets, mm-hmm. but these massive markets may be difficult to penetrate, which has been proven the case in the, at least the residential market generally.
0: And just in terms of you know, speaking about like the penetration and I guess, um the impacts tech startups have had across different sectors in general. So speaking just about residential markets, why have they been minimally impacted, I guess, as a whole by tech startups in general?
1: Yeah. And again, it's all relative. Like you have open door in States, yep. which is a large company with hundreds of millions of revenue. You have Zillow, but from an overall structure, none of them have moved, completely changed how it functions. And I think it's a, f- a few things. It's a massive market, but the market structure makes it more resilient to change. What do I mean by this? Um, the demand side is highly fragmented and they mm-hmm. interact infrequently. If you rent a house, you're not doing more than once a year. If you purchase a house, um, I think the stats is you buy a house once every six to eight years. That's your primary residence. Even if you're a small time investor, you probably don't do more than one a year. The supply side benefits from the current structure, um, so you know they have not much incentive the people that actually make the money that that would have to change don't have much incentive to change. Uh, And this is further complicated. um, It's hard to get to true scale. Uh, This market's made up of hundreds of regional or city level markets with, with each own regulation, the landlord tenant the way they interact in Toronto is different in Montreal, the way house transacts and the listing system is different in Ontario than California. So even though it looks like massive, there's lots of, you have to go win each market by market to make product adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the network effects are local, scale is local, and the parties that could benefit from the change the most are not motivated. Um, what's interesting about the approach Geiger is taking is that it's offering a full stack solution to enable new customers to enter the new, the, the investment side. Yep. They're allowing, you know, you know, before if you had, you know, you, know, you want to invest 500, 1,000 bucks, it wasn't possible. So I think there's enough, incentive there to ha- actually impact the market because you're, you're changing, you're changing one of the stakeholders that are participating.
0: And I mean, I would look at this news and say that this is really positive, especially for early stage startups around acquiring other companies um, and just sort of the direction we're seeing that go in. But what else is worth highlighting for our community uh, just about the story?
1: Well, you know, we'll get a bit into this in a bit later. Like, I, I think there's a lot of companies on fumes right now. And expectations is that a lot of those companies, when they sell, if they sell, they go to like larger companies. I think we're gonna see some some lots of scrappy early stage startups see opportunities to acquire their startups. Um, and I think we're gonna see lots of unexpected acquisitions in the new year. Uh, I think Prop Tech will continue to see many founders trying to change the residential experience because everyone interacts with everyone's a renter, everyone's a buyer, everyone, and especially in tech everyone's like this seems so antiquated. Uh, but I think investors will be more wary of backing them. Uh, many of these startups and many of them that are currently just are gonna either plateau or fail. I you know, like I get pitched a new listing site, you know, a new a new way of purchasing a house or financing a house at least twice a week. The okay. ideas are obvious. Yeah. The way to make the market change and work differently is not. These segments of the market is literally, with, you know, I'd say failures and companies that have become um, a best marketing tech for an incumbents like Zillow was supposed to change how everything's done. And they're, they're basically lead gen for uh, realtors. I'm not saying they won't change. I'm not saying right. someone won't have a breakthrough, but I think the bar, the evidence of proof in the current market to get these finances significantly higher and for, because the market's tough and because there's a, a graveyard of dead startups.
0: Is there, I mean, you said you kind of get pitched on this pretty often and it's sort of hard to, I guess, reinvent something where it is pretty standard across the board from what you're seeing. Um, what would you want to see or be pitched on that would make you really interested? If I can something, go off the yeah.
1: like, Look, there, there's regulatory change happening. So my change yep. stuff, but like, let's just look at the listing side. Um, there's house okay. Sigma in Toronto. Everyone loves house Sigma. It I seems love we, House
0: Sigma. Yep.
1: Yeah. I, I think I know every, but it uses it. I know they've tried to raise money. They weren't successful. My guess is they're doing seven to eight figures of revenue, which is great. Mm-hmm. But not a venture scale business, and then I get pitched like another hey, we're going to change how people um find and search and purchase houses every like every month, at least one of them. And I think you have to have someone that shows me can explain to me, Fundamentally, either they can show me that it's actually working or fundamentally explain why their approach is different than everything else or why the timing is right right now. Because okay, yes, everyone wants to pay less for a transaction or a house, yeah, but. To get that to work, you have to shift a big chunk of the market. And, and it's funny. And now I think as, as the real estate market in Canada, at least has slowed down, you know, you're going to have less of the griping. Oh, I just, list, all I have to do is list a house and 20 minutes later, it's, it's sold. And I think, I think mm-hmm. part of the fundamental problem is a lot of people come into these markets, not understanding the whole, what's called value chain. Like everyone thinks it's oh, real realtor just list a house. On the market and short a couple times in sales. There's a lot of other work in it. and a lot of it can be digitized and done differently. But someone has to have insights in why that makes how that actually creates value and can capture value for players involved. And I, I, you know, okay. And and look, it's going to everything eventually changes. It's just yep. you know, and it might be when it's someone just gets lucky or actually Yay. slowly different. It's not obvious till till, till it's already changed
0: yeah okay well anyone that's listening if you have a really interesting idea alex just essentially told you exactly um how to be different and, and how to well, fit that that's
1: just with listing there's also like yeah. back end. this there's, there's real estate and we're talking just residential there's commercials yeah. lots of it like and i think there are like look i you know i you know there's a lot of companies that are making a change like a trio is changing how real estate investors um look at deals and find deals and source deals but it's a different market than residential just just a disproportionate amount of, Especially younger founders think they're going to change the way to residential real estate market, and I I'm, look—I'm all for it. Yeah, just 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 becoming the pitch of that investor—you better have an idea why the 20 other companies in Toronto or 100 companies in North America and why failed in the last five years, and what, what you're doing differently.
0: Thank you for indulging me and going off script a little bit. So um, next, we're going to be talking about uh, BetaKit. So they actually announced a new strategic partnership. So again, just before we go a little bit more into detail. What is the partnership? Um, Maybe we start with that. Yeah,
1: data kit based, I guess media uh, news, you know, site and that covers Canadian tech news. So, like we, we quick takes here. We're trying to analyze the news. They cover all the news, right? They'll have all the funding announcements and stuff like that, focused on the Canadian market. Yep. Uh, On Tuesday, they announced a strategic partnership and to sell the majority of their company to Good Future.
0: And I. I'm not familiar with good future. So what, who are they? I guess, what was the, the goal in, in making that, that purchase?
1: Okay. So let's, let's take those, break that down to two separate questions. Who's good Mm -hmm. future. Um, Good future. I I imagine most people don't know the entity. It's the family office, of Arati Sharma and Satish Kanwar. Through this entity, they run a venture fund, a full foundation and and majority owned businesses. Um, For people that don't know who Arati and Satish are, uh, They've been in the ecosystem for ages. Uh, Arati started a career at shop. They were both early Shopify. Satish got there through acquisition. Arati, I, you know, got there for employment. They were there for a long time. They they were leaders in, the, in Shopify, and they're really just great people. Um, why did this happen? I yep. think kit I want to say it started like 2009, 2010. Has gone through several owners. Um, look, media companies are hard. Yeah, businesses. You know, you don't make, it's hard to make money. It's hard to have a bottom line. And I think since Douglas, you know, took over Betakit, it's being relatively capital efficient, but capital constrained. So he's never been able to invest in what he want to do. It's been underfunded. Right. So, you know, to have coast to coast coverage with people on the ground has been hard. Um, you know, I think that additional capital will allow Betakit to expand the coverage and probably the type of content they produce. So it just... Enhance the product.
0: Right. And you did mention a few things just about, you know, it is obviously the media space is incredibly tough to survive, to grow, um, to, I guess, remain relevant. Uh, so, aside from that and the fact that this will probably help with the ability for them to scale, what else is really important about uh, this decision?
1: <clears throat> so, let, let's break this down a few things. Um, Canadian tech ecosystem. Does not get much coverage in mainstream media. Uh, you know, yeah, what John Silkoff covers, he's probably the only, you know, him and Golden Mail, a couple of his, uh, uh, fellow writers and journalists will cover some of the news that's going on. Usually it's the bigger, it's like the Shopify's, the light speeds of public companies or ones are yeah. near public, like One Password. You may have some stuff covered by David Scott and The Logic, but it's usually more from a, a government perspective, regulatory perspective. Um, and so we don't get much media coverage for Canadian tech. It's important for several reasons. I think if you don't have much written about you, when someone go, like when someone wants to be a customer or be an employee, having third-party validation that you're real and exist is important. I think for our industry to have a voice and remain pertinent, there needs to be coverage. I think for um, Americans have a lot of coverage. They have TechCrunch, they have Axios, they have a bunch of, it's covered by more mainstream media just because there's more media out there. And I think beta kit fills a bit of a void to at least cover all the announcements. You now got a couple other places that do stuff local. You have the Vancouver tech journal, right? The Calgary tech journal. Um, Obviously so I, I our think
0: newsletter it's, and what we're doing. Our newsletter.
1: You know, I, I hope if you are listening to us, you know, we cover some stuff, Yes, but we, we don't try to cover exhaustive. We try to go in depth and pick out what we think is important. I think there's a benefit to having exhaustive coverage mm-hmm. and it's just, the beta kit doesn't do it. I don't think there's anyone else right now that does it, uh, coast to coast. Right. Um, and I think beta kit is trying to get more coast to coast. So I think that's the first thing. I think just we need as an industry. I think the yep. second thing that's here is um, media is a really hard business to make money at unless you're very focused and can charge for access. So, like, hey, we've, you know, and that to some extent, maybe that's what the logic's trying to do. We got the 500 seals of Matter Tech. Plus the regular, you know, all the lawyers and all the politicians. So we have, a, I, don't know, I don't know what the numbers are, but you can access the 5,000 most biggest key decisions. So you can pay us a lot because, you know, with as a legal firm something like that, or you have to go mass. What, what sucks is when you're not focused and not mass, you're, you're subscale for sponsors and advertisers. So I think what, what I imagine beta kit trying to do is get to a bit higher level of coverage to get more, to get more sponsorship and be more sustainable. Um, yeah, and so I think those are the two aspects of what's going on here.
0: Right. And, and, and if just, Douglas
1: I'm you know, we should have invited Douglas to come on here and talk about it because I, I mean, maybe we can have a follow-up with Douglas to talk about
0: how everything came together. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And just lastly, is there anything final, just impacts for our community, what this means for them.
1: Just a reminder if you have some news uh, mm-hmm. that you won't cover, make sure you reach out to beta kit.
0: Okay. And this last headline, um, We were talking about this earlier in the week, how there's a lot of content that we have that is actually still more relevant than ever, um, or in fact, um, has picked up speed in terms of its relevance, just given what we're dealing with in the market, what we're seeing going into 2024. And so this um, that we're going to talk about was an interview that you had done with Bryce, a founder, and he was sharing just how to navigate your business during turbulent times. And this was right at the start of the pandemic. I think it was March, 2020, right. When yeah. things starting to get very crazy and there was a shift in, you know, how we work and um, companies scaling and things like that. So uh, I'll have you also just share, you know, from your perspective, like why you think this is still relevant and what okay, people so should m- be paying attention
1: uh, to. I'll, I'll start. So for Bryce Shik is the founder yeah. of WinMobile. mobile, he's a, uh, you know, global live, very successful founder, um, very successful investor who has I think articulates well how to build a business. Yeah. So the original what this content comes from the original conversation was hey, COVID's hit, um, the world's shutting down, we're a level of uncertainty. How do you run your business? And I think, you know, maybe we should have be been talking about this last year, this time. I think right now I, I what I worry about is a bunch of green shoots and it feels like I think there's a false spring because Mm-hmm. things have gone better in over the last, you know, things look like COVID ended up not being as bad as people thought from a tech perspective.
0: Yeah. And then
1: we've gone into, you know, somewhere in say, it's uh, again, late 21, the tech market starts slowing down in 22 or so maybe now i losing track of time, but like anyways, when mid 22, it started slowing down and 23 has been kind of a slog, but 23 feels better than 22. And I think it has been, but I feel there's still a lot of uncertainty in the market. I feel like, there's gonna be a lot of negative news in the next six months, and I'm not—I'm not someone okay. that's a doomsayer. I'm a very usually a very positive person, so yeah. I think just you know reminding how to operate in war times is Bryce, or I would say, is is important.
0: Yeah, he mentioned like the wartime mentality. So aside from that being just one of the emphasis or points that you guys spoke about about you know business survival during these uncertain times, I know there was also a factor or a segment about restructuring strategies to take into consideration. So do you want to maybe go over those?
1: So, so like what, you know, again, like what does wartime mean? Focus on survivability, liquidity management, which means make sure you have cash and sustaining operations when we don't know where the market's going. Because I feel like everyone thinks half the world thinks we're we're out of this. Then we're going to have a great 2024. I think other half thinks it's recession. So we don't want to go out. So so what do you do to restructure, right? Um, Cash flow management have a meticulous cash flow forecast for the next six months. And you monitor time over time. Cause I think you need to know when you need cash, where your cash is going to be. And I think it's more important now than ever. Um, I think right-sizing the business, right um, here. I'd say it's two things. One is I'd say lots of founders, you know, you, you want to have, you know, there's always a balance between how fast you grow and you need people for it and how much you burn. And I think, it, this is a time to not hire you unless you absolutely need it and you, you, okay. you, 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 you like you know that adding someone's gonna let, enable you a little faster you don't want to hire too far, far ahead and i also think revenues and collections going back to the last two things is important um basically make sure that if you're charging customers give them a discount let them pay up front get the money in the door Like right. the worst thing is i see a couple of companies right now that have lot, these lots of you know booked revenue but it's not being collected and they're short in cash, which is really sexy. You have a business that makes sense, but the cash flows, you know, you don't want to be short in cash for the next six months. Um, right. And then, you know, costs, you know, I think there should be making sure that you're, you have, you know, like, like what the people, make sure you're only current costs that you should.
0: One of the things that also stuck out to me about your interview was the topic of negotiating and just how that has become an important factor for businesses facing challenges. So why is this an important tool for, for a founder? So, uh, again,
1: I think I'm going to take it a bit different direction. He took He talked about negotiating cost, costs, make sure you go re, you know, renegotiate rent. I think lots of this, most companies in business have done this already. I think you know, there's one aspect is your potential customers will negotiate with you. And I've had lots of conversations like this how much of a discount do we take to get a contract signed now versus three months? Okay. Um, should we give a bigger discount for a two-year contract or three-year contract? And should we give a bigger discount if they're paying up front? So I think this goes back to understanding your cash flow and, and making sure you collect. And also in the challenges you don't want to perceive of, of discounting your good because you're more confident. Almost you give too, too desperate, it might scare some customers away. So I think if you understand your cash flow and when you need it, and you want to always be well, you know, well um, capitalized. And if you're looking at using a lot of credits or debt, you know what your cost of capital is and you need to know what how long, how this will need cash. And I think it's, it's you know, it's a good time to be flexible in either payment terms or the amount charged to contracts and get cash in the door and i'm not saying hey offer 20 percent discount but i think it's very important to look at your sales pipeline or your renewals and understand what levers you can pull to generate cash without giving up too much value and i think being able to negotiate that and and drive revenue and cash into your business is very important right now
0: you know as much as there's obviously challenges during these changes or these shifts there's um also on the flip side a lot of opportunities that present themselves so how would you guide a business to you know, be finding these opportunities or even um, what they should be looking for in terms of opportunities?
1: So let's talk about the opportunity we started this show with. Um, and this wasn't something we discussed with Bryce. I think a year and a half ago, lots of the cost covering was done by most of the companies that are still in business that aren't super successful. So I think there's going to be opportunities to either acquire product and or acquire talent that wasn't available before. So when you again not saying just to acquire someone because they're great, but sometimes you can unlock something by getting this great salesperson or by getting an engineer. So I think the market is you might be see interesting people that you can recruit your company you could have before, and that could make a huge, you know, one plus one equals three. You can yep. acquire other companies. I think the other thing is um if there's within your customers, if you can get larger share of wallet, maybe by cross crossing other products because maybe you have a deep relationship and you see they're worried about someone else selling into them. If you can show that you're stable, it might allow you to say, hey, we know you're working with these other two startups for you know, product B and C. We offer those. We can give them to you at 50% what you're paying now and we're a stable business. So there's a lot of ability to take advantage of, People trying to be more conservative in the market. Um, people being weak in the market. I think you could also, you know, look at how customers are changing and, and try to, you know, give them the confidence or solve their problems a different way.
0: Just what are I guess the main pillars that you would want to emphasize for businesses that, well, so I'll, in order to emerge stronger?
1: I'll I'll take prices here. You know. Okay. Um, to persist, adapt, and communicate transparently. Uh, resilience, adaptability, and community support stands as fundamental pillars for emerging stronger from adversity. So basically be flexible, be, you know, be tenacious and get a support system around you.
0: Okay. Uh, Thank you. Cause I do think, you know, we, as we were speaking about this um, it's definitely something that businesses are trying to navigate right now, just given the shifts that we have seen. And also as we spoke about in the last episode, you know, we've seen it at this time last year, it's obviously better right now, but Um, as you said, more, maybe more bad news coming, um, more changes, more shifts, more ways that businesses will need to adapt. So I think this is great advice. And I'll also link the original interview with Bryce, just in the notes, if you want to go back and watch that, because I thought it was great. Uh, Before I let you go, um, we have lots of events coming up in the new year. I can't believe, you know, January is literally in a month. Like like I said, I can't believe it's December, but uh, January 15th, um, is our first tech together uh, back in the new year. And followed by that, we're back at Rotman again on February 12th. So all of those are on our website. Um, early bird tickets are also still available. So make sure that you you know grab those while they're still available. Um, a lot um, that we talked about today, Alex, any final thoughts, anything you want to highlight before we go? You know, we're going to
1: have a bit of coverage over the next couple of weeks, probably mm-hmm. trends and review of the year. Yes. Um and then we get ready for the next year. So I just, you know, no. hope you listen to what we do. Hope you read what you do. But I hope everyone um, takes some time to decamp and have a great holidays. And, you know, I think we'll do one more of these before the end of the year. Uh, but if you yep. don't listen to that, you should listen to it. But mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, make sure you get the energy because I think next year is going to have lots of opportunities.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we will definitely have one more episode for the end of the year. Um, that'll be um, sort of a special one uh, to close things out. Uh, thank you, Alex, again, for joining us and helping us break everything down. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with our final episode of the year of Quick Takes. And until then, we'll see you on the inside. We're in the business of delivering impossible things. We're in the business of delivering things that nobody's ever seen before.
1: If you build that culture, you know, you'll come up with you know, really cool and innovative stuff, and you know, literally could be in the next multi-billion dollar idea. So this conversation is largely going to be about scaling yourself and scaling your leadership team.
0: I want to talk about one of the biggest struggles that I think a lot of startups face early on, which is building initial traction.